0: This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Turning your Bibles to the book, Second Chronicles, chapter 15. We are in the midst of this teaching on the assurance of God's presence. We started out this teaching by talking about what Jesus said in John chapter 14. Jesus said, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And so, we're to this point. Jesus left us his peace. Peace. The peace of Jesus is ours. And that statement, again, sometimes when you, you just meditate on some of these things, but that statement is a, is a statement of someone who's about to depart and says, but I've got something I've left here for you. He says, so when I'm gone, I've got something that's going to sort of keep you, even after I'm gone. And it's valuable. His peace is valuable. And so here's peace. Peace means um, I have stability in time of trouble. Peace means I have freedom from debilitating thoughts. And peace means, and this is our working definition, peace means I'm with God. And God is with me. You see how that works? Because when I'm with God and God is with me, I can be stable. When I'm with God and God is with me, then in all honesty, I can just think on Him. I can think the thoughts that He's given me to think. I can think on things that are true, that are, that are honest, that are lovely. That are, I can think on all those things because I'm with God and God is with me that's called having his presence and when now we understand I am with God and God is with me because that's how Jesus had his peace he was with the father and the father was with him and so as we went forward we came to this conclusion or at least I want you to come to this conclusion his presence is better his presence is just plain better you won't his presence. You desire His presence. And the thing what we have to understand is that we are one time without His presence, but now by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for His wonderful redemption plan and for the blood that was shed that we would have our sins taken away from us. Because thereby we were one time far away, but now He's brought us in close. And so now by virtue of the new birth, you're with God, and God is with you. But we also need to understand God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he reap. But God said, whatsoever a man soweth, that's what he said, that's what the man's going to reap. And so you may have the word of God, but the word of God in itself, having the word of God in itself does not excuse you. From whatever it is that you want to do. So you have to keep all things in balance. So you can't take for granted that because God is with you now that he's obligated to be with you. So we see this in 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Verses 1 and 2. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa. And said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you. While ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. In other words, God is telling them, I don't owe you my presence. God is like, I'm not in debt like that. <laughs> I don't owe you that. And so what we need to understand, see, this is why I, I want to make sure we understand, because this really is a teaching on the balance of grace. Because what we did is we were brought close to God, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his pleasure, according to his plan. And that is grace. And some that I've received grace, I can act like a fool. They don't say that, but they think they can get away with anything. And God is with you as long as you are with him, because God is not mocked. And so we've got to keep this balance in church of the living water. We want to remain in the presence of God. To me, this is so remarkable. This is so amazing because what happens here is Azariah comes and we have a special word from God. This is a supernatural act. You know how we come to church and I want the pastor to say something to me specially. Then I'll know I heard from God. Well, he got a special word. But you can't leave that special word where it was. You gotta take it with you. And you've got to recognize that God spoke to me. Maybe he gave you maybe you got some prophecy at one time in the past, but how have you been living since? And people will wonder why has this not come to pass in my life? God does not owe you. So we spent some time and we saw, especially a hard lesson from from Eli's perspective. Is that yeah, he had a word from God at one point in time. His whole family had a word from God. And he thought he could do whatever he wanted to do. And God was like, no, it doesn't work that way. So if you don't esteem me, I won't esteem you. So we said, you have to respond to grace once you have received grace. And then keep responding. We used as an example what we call the prodigal son. The prodigal son was where he should have been at the beginning, but then he took it for granted, and he left. And it was only a matter of time before what he thought was peace was gone. And then, when he was received by the Father, he needs to remain with the Father in order to assure himself of that peace. Now, again, I want to emphasize this to you. I know I said it last time, and I'm going to say it again. Do not confuse the peace of this world with the peace that Jesus left us. And the peace of this world, people call it peace, but it's a false sense of security. They think because they have this, because they have that, because they're with this person, because they have a name here, they believe that they are secure. But those things, let me tell you this, I think I made mention of this, you know, people run after marriage. I mean, they go hard after marriage and marriage is not evil. It's not evil at all. But it's us leaving God to get the marriage. And even when we get in marriage, we have no room, no space for God whatsoever. It's not that that thing was evil. It's just that we have not put his presence at the forefront. We put our security in other things. And I want to let you know, I believe that education is a wonderful thing, but if you don't have it, you can still have his presence. Hallelujah. I believe owning a home is a wonderful thing, but if you never own a home, you can still have his presence. Again, remember, his presence is better. I would rather live in an apartment all the days of my life and have the assurance of his presence than to live in big, fancy houses, driving big, fancy cars. Hmm. See, because money does, it's not a sure thing. And even when you have it, there are certain things money can't buy. And here's one thing money cannot buy. Money does not buy you peace. In fact, in all honesty, it probably takes more peace away from you. (laughs) But don't confound those things. As a church, we can't get caught up with the false teachings that are out there that gets us caught up with the goods of this world. That's a false sense of security. That is not the peace that Jesus left us. Are you with me? Now, I also made mention of... Well, we won't go there because I want to go someplace else. But we also made mention of James chapter 2. And I want to make sure that we're balanced there as well. These things are very important. We are saved by grace through faith. There are no works associated with you being saved by grace through faith. But saving faith... It's not in word alone. Do you hear me? Saving faith has some evidence that faith has entered into your heart. This is why when Jesus said to Zacchaeus, come down, I must go to your house. And then Zacchaeus comes and says, you know what? I've done wrong and I'm going to make restitution. Now, He did not receive salvation because he made restitution. He made restitution because he received salvation. See, that's saving faith. Saving faith is going to move you. This is a wonderful thing about the love of God, to me. You know, you can be loved by somebody and then not move you. But once you're loved by God and receive his love, it's going to move you. It's going to cause you to some kind of action. And again, I'm not saying that you go and open up some food bank or something like that. I'm saying you, you, re, you rearrange your life to make sure that as far as you know, God is pleased. See, that's saving faith. See, saving faith does not give me... Can I, can I go here? And I need to keep going, but can I go here? Saving faith, let me tell you this. Oh, my goodness. I, I do wonder about this sometimes. I really do. I don't get it. Let's say... Well, let's just say it as people say it. There are some scholars who even tell you that, well, tithing is Old Testament. And so now we're not obligated to tithe. We can give according to our heart. Why do we use that as an excuse not to give 10%? To me, that's not saving faith. He says, faith compels me... To whatever God has, I'm going to provide for. And so some people... Again, this is why I'm, I want to make sure that we're balanced in all these things. Again, and it might be in your mind. You might be struggling with that. But where's your heart? See, if your heart says 10% is too much to give, uh, what kind of faith do you have? But we must understand these things. Saving faith produces works. We are not saved by works, but once faith is entered into our hearts, you got to do something. <laughs> Something's got to change. Something's got to be real. you got to do something. Amen? <laughs> so, how do we assure ourselves that God is with us, church? How do we assure ourselves that we're staying with God? We said first qualification is when you have in your heart surrendered your life to Christ... And I like to say it that way, when you have in your heart surrendered your life to Christ. Not just with a word. You didn't just go up front when there was an altar call. You've actually surrendered in your heart your life to Christ. In other words, he's Lord now. And then we said there has to be a proper response. And what is that response? The response must be a repentant, faithful Obedient life in which you remain. That's the response. Now that I have received in my heart Christ as my Lord, now I must respond with a repentant, faithful, obedient life in which I remain. In other words, this is my life now. And remember, repentant means that I stay humble before God. I remember that I dwell in sinful flesh. <laughs> Amen. Glory to your name. See, the further you get away from the knowledge of his presence, the more after you are to sin. But when you stay acknowledging that, God, you're high and I'm low, I'm going to do what I need to do to keep myself away from sin. See, that's humble. The repentant heart stays humble. And then you're going to feed your faith. You're going to be a faithful individual. Now, listen to me. Listen to me. I'm not asking you how you've been living. That's not what I'm asking. Well, that's not how I've been living. That's not what I'm giving you. I'm giving you God's order. And God gives us His order because we didn't come with His order. And so some of us have confessed the Lord, but have made no changes. Have not continued. Have not been humble. Again, maybe we've been taught wrong about grace and think that we can do anything we want to do, but he still is going to cover us. No, that's not how this works. Now that you have received Christ, now there's responsibility on your side. You've got to stay repentant. You've got to remain faithful. You must be obedient. That's got to be your life. You have to stay there. Look at this in the book of Daniel, chapter nine. We'll review this real quick and then get on to some other information. Daniel chapter nine. So here's the key. How do we assure ourselves? It's as simple as this. We assure ourselves presence of obedience. Calm down now. Calm down. I know it's exciting. (laughs) I know it gets you moving. I know it gets your heart racing. Woo, obedient. That's how we assure ourselves of his presence. Daniel chapter 9. And I want to remind you, I made mention of this before, uh, last time when we first referenced this scripture, that when God spoke to that nation through Asa, He says, I am with you as long as you are with me. They didn't stay with God. And the result is bondage. So now Daniel is living in the bondage. Wow. Based off of people who came before him. Let me stay there for a second. You know, we are where we are because somebody came before us. And we thank God for them. Because they stayed with his presence. And now we're reaping the benefits. But if we now having his presence... move away... not only us... but those who come after us... will suffer. And so now Daniel's suffering because of somebody's disobedience. And he's considering these things... and he says here in verse 4... And I prayed unto the Lord my God... and made my confession and said, O Lord... The great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. See, he says, I keep, or Daniel says, God keeps, God keeps to those who remain. Again, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. In other words, those who don't keep his commandments don't have the promise of his covenant. Verse 14. Therefore, hath the Lord watched upon the evil. What is this evil? Their bondage. And brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth. For we obeyed not his voice. Church of the living water. The nation of Israel had a covenant with God. But they couldn't act any kind of way. And when they acted contrary to obedience, they suffered the consequences. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Look at this in the gospel according to John chapter 14. How do we assure ourselves of his presence? We obey. John chapter 14. verse 15 If ye love me keep my commandments I like that if you love me if you love me you know when a man thinks he's found the one he'll jump through hoops oh he'll climb high he'll do whatever it takes cuz he thinks he's found the one <laughs> This came to my mind. I hadn't thought about this person in quite some time. Went to, we knew each other in high school. Went to the same college. But this young lady had a boyfriend, but there's this other boy that was always around, always buying her stuff. You know, and I remember she was a friend of mine, and we were talking, and she was like, "He knows I got a boyfriend." And I told him, "I'm not doing anything," but he keeps doing this. And I, you know, you try to put yourself in, in that obsessive man's shoes and think, man, how disappointing it must be to have a desire for somebody and then not be able to do anything to have that fulfilled. At least give me something. How can I how can I, you know, get you pulled away from this other individual so you can start loving me? How can we make this thing work? That was my mind. Well, God says, if you want to work, if you wanted to work with me, here's what it takes. If this thing is going to work between me and you, if it's going to work, keep my commandments. Simple as that. <laughs> that's, that's all. If you want it to work between you and me, if you want the benefit of my presence, if you want me to be around, keep my commandments. How do we assure ourselves of his presence? Through obedience. Verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. Don't you know faith works my love? See, if a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. Do you hear that? He says, you have our presence. Now, you missed that. If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him. See, now, now we've got a working relationship here. And we will come unto him and make our abode with him. We will abide with him. We will stay. That individual has the benefit of God's presence. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. Do you hear that? Oh, I know, I know, I understand. This is not this is not flesh tickling stuff. Oh, but it is true. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. There are only two types of people those who love him and those who don't. Let me say that again. There are only two types of people he's describing here those who love him and those who don't. And those who love him keep his commandments. Those who don't keep his commandments, they do not love him. He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings and the word which you hear is not mine but the Father's which sent me you hear Jesus say it again I'm staying with him <laughs> I'm staying with him I'm staying with the Father so I'm not giving you anything that, that, than that which I've heard with the Father now if you want your abode to be with me and the Father you have to keep our commandments but you will if you love them but if you don't love them You won't keep his commandments and you will not have the assurance of his presence. First, John. Chapter two. First, John, chapter two. John is. Wow. He's a rough preacher. Put it that way. Because he just tells it like it is. First John, chapter two, verse three. And hereby, we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Do you hear that? Hereby, we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. How do we know that we know him? If we keep his commandments. Oh, I love Jesus. I love God saving faith has more than just words. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Oh, I love John. John can preach, can't he? This is the preacher's message right here. He doesn't care who's in the audience because the standard is the same no matter who you are. He was hearing Jesus when he said if you love me you'll keep my commandments those who don't love me won't keep my commandments so John can reiterate you say you know him but you don't keep his commandments you're a liar (laughs) and the truth is not in you but whoso keepeth his word in him verily is the love of God perfected hereby know we that we are in him He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also, so to walk even as he walked. Do you hear that? There's a response after you receive the grace. Her sister Everhart make mention of it before service. We love him because he first loved us. Let me tell you this. You weren't lovely. And in many regards, we're not lovely now. But while we were worse than we are now, he loved you. When others would pass you by, wouldn't think twice about you, he loved you. He spent his time on you. He set his eyes of affection upon you. And now that we have his love, there's got to be a response. And the response is obey. How do we assure ourselves that we're with God? And that God is with us. Through obedience. Check this out, people. Assurance of His presence is not in special revelation. See, I... I sometimes I just think, do I just think totally different than everybody else? See, that's, that's wonderful. Because I'm, I'm going to share with you a secret. I don't have special revelations every day. <laughs> you know what I mean by special revelations? You know, God doesn't wake me and give me dreams on a consistent basis. God doesn't drop a of word that I recognize as a ramble word on a constant basis. God doesn't stop service and says, you know what? I'm going to answer your prayer right now in front of everybody. He doesn't do that. You know what he has me do? He has me walk by faith. And there might be times, my people, when things don't feel quite right. But if I've been obeying, I know him and have the assurance of his presence. There are times you can come on a regular basis and it might seem as that there's never a personal word for you. But if you've been obeying him, you're with God and God is with you. The assurance of God's presence is not in special revelation. Now, this is an interesting thing because in Abraham's time he didn't have scriptures, so, so I can only imagine God had to speak to Abraham in strong manners. But but if you go and you look and you study behind it, how many times did God do extraordinary, supernatural visits with Abraham? And understand this: any time that God has a word for you, it's supernatural. You know, just like I said, how do we have the assurance of God's presence through obedience and no one said anything? It was still supernatural. <laughs> because it was a word from God. And so what we receive from God is supernatural, but how many extraordinary events, supernatural events, do we have that Abraham had? And he didn't ask Scripture. Let me give you Scripture now. Here's a supernatural word for you The just shall live by faith. <laughs> And you know what faith does? Faith says, I obey. And it doesn't seem like anything changed. But I'll keep walking that way. And therein I have the assurance. Well, I'm I'm telling you, I want the assurance of His presence. When I'm sick, I don't want to wonder, God, are you going to hear this prayer? No, I've been walking with you all the time, God. So I know you hear me. (laughs) I know I have a direct line. I know that you're near and not far off. And I don't care if you have not given me an extraordinary supernatural word. By my obedience, I'm assured that I'm close to you and you're close to me. So don't be confused by people's big, dramatized Broadway production Testimonies of how God said this to them and God said that to them of how God stopped this and God stopped that again I don't know what they're walking by, but I'm walking by faith people please 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 on this church we need to be we need to be where we need to be and I'm telling you I'm telling you this is This gets some church people because we always want an experience when we come to church. And I say we, I don't mean everybody, but it's come to a point now where if they don't move me, I didn't have church. (laughs) You know, what is so critical about church is that I hear his voice because then I know what to obey. And when I've done his will, then I have the assurance of his presence. But we come to church, again, we, doesn't mean you in particular, but people in general come to church to feel good. Don't confuse men's big, dramatized testimonies with evidence that they've been with God and you haven't. Amen. And I don't know who your favorite preachers are, but they may have many a testimony. Whatever. That's them. But I don't find it in God's word. As critical for me having assurance that I have his presence. Oh, that's beautiful. What do we find out? That God is no respecter of persons. But whoever they are, whatever nation, as long as they fear God, work righteousness, don't don't get don't get drawn off by these other people saying this is going on, this happened. Don't be drawn off. Fear God. Keep righteousness. Walk in the light. Obey his word. And you'll be doing good. Remember this. We saw in Luke chapter 17. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. (laughs) Do you hear me? See, these are scriptures we talked about. This is the self-same thing over and over again. It does not come with an outward show. That's what the Pharisees were looking for. And Jesus had to correct them and say, The kingdom of God is among you, is within you. You're missing it. You're looking for the wrong thing. I may not have special revelation like other people say they have, but I, through my obedience, have the assurance that the Father loves me, and that the Son and the Father have made their abode with me. Assurance of His presence is not in a natural position. Hallelujah. Church, as we go through change, change will happen. (laughs) And you know what change means? One moment I'm up, another moment I'm down. That does not mean God has left. Just means you change positions. Hey man, don't you, don't you think of somebody like Joseph? <laughs> Joseph was thrown in the pit. Did that mean God had left him? Joseph was sold into slavery. Did that mean God had left him? He was thrown in jail. Did that mean God had left him? but in due season he sure did reap because he did not get confused no matter where he was he could obey amen glory to your name if you were demoted on your job would you still have peace I'm sorry if you lost your job could you still have peace If somebody else got all the accolades you used to get, would you still have peace? If God moves somebody else into your role at church, could you still have peace? (laughs) Hallelujah. God being with us is not based on anything but our submission to him. That's right, that's right. Mark chapter 4. Turn back to Mark chapter 4. It's not based on anything but, it's, but our submission to Him. I want to remind you what we looked at when we said we had the peace of Jesus. Because you've got to remember, His promise is not a well-paying job. His promise is not a certain position in the church other than within the body. His promise is not a title. His promise is life through Christ Jesus. Verse 35, Mark chapter 4. Let's read through this quickly. In the same day when the even was come, He saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. Oh, I love that. Let us pass over to the other side. We are on a journey. Where you are now is not where you will finish. But you're going to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. See, there was change between where they started to where they were supposed to finish. And that change was not always pleasant change. It was not always desirable change. In fact, this change was storms that arose. But changes are coming to us all. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. What peace. And they awake him and said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose, rebuked the wind, and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. <sighs> Remember his Peace. His peace did not remove the storms. His peace kept them in the midst of the storms. Didn't stop the storms from coming. Hallelujah. He, in all honesty, rebuked them. Why didn't you stay stable? Didn't you know I'd get you there? So we have to remember on our way to the end. He's left us peace. Because He knows storms will arise. He knows change will come. He knows some change will be good change. He knows some change will be bad change. But through it all, no matter the change, we can have His peace. Turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 73. Psalm 73. 73. Don't be discouraged. Because this is life. And you are a person of faith. And you are not of this world. And while you walk in faith, the world may not reward you. And while you keep his commandments, it might seem as though you go down while others who aren't keeping his commandments go up. This is life. I'm telling you now, you will see these things happen. And they will not feel comfortable. But know this. God is faithful. To His Word, you fear God. You work righteousness. You walk in the light. Psalm 73. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, this is wonderful. Truly God is good. To Israel, even as such as are of a clean heart. Hallelujah. Don't you like that? Especially with the teaching we're getting right now on Sundays. Yeah, not now we're, we're cleaning our hearts. So, so God is good, especially to those who are of a clean heart. God, I'm getting my heart clean. You're going to be good to me. Yes. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped, for I was envious at the foolish. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covers them as garments. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. But they're corrupt. They speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. And their tongue walking through the earth. See, here I am. I'm being Mr. Good Shoes. (laughs) I'm being Miss Proper. I'm walking with Christ. And I'm not seeming to get what other people are getting. Verse 9. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walking through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? I mean, they, they laugh at God. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. Let me say, let me I love this because this is life. You're going to sit there, and get the word, you get excited about the word. That word is so exciting. You clean your, clean your heart and you go out there and you find why does it seem like I'm going down and other people are going up? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generations of thy children. Again, I love it. I don't say it out loud, but this is what's going on on the inside. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until... I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I therein. Here's the thing about the sanctuary. The sanctuary is the place that God has appointed where he would meet with men. It's the place of his presence. (laughs) Hallelujah. Then I got back to his presence. Then understood I therein. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terror. I am wanting what they have, but what they have is no good. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O oh Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Oh, that's our story. That's our story right there. Let me tell you. You start and then He cleanses your heart. You're on a journey to the end and here come the storms. Here come the changes. Some changes you wish would never have happened but they happen. But God said, come to my sanctuary. Come close to me. Then you realize I got you. See, as long as you are obedient. Verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. See, I'd rather have the portion of his presence than the riches in this world. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. See, that's where we used to be. We used to be far from him, But he's brought us close. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. How do we assure ourselves of God's presence? It's not in special revelation. See, because if this individual had special revelation when he was envious, he wouldn't have been so envious. But God's like, no, you just walk my faith. It's not in positions, because sometimes we'll be up, other times we'll be down. But no matter, God's presence can be with us when we're low or when we're high. How do we assure ourselves of God's presence? Through obedience. Look at this in Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. The key is, what do we obey? (laughs) Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he Made the world. So, so remember this now. If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. Keeping his commandments is what assures us of his presence. And God says, I speak. Well, he says, now I spoke in times past in diverse manners by the prophets. But in these last days, again, I like this, he hath spoken. You know what he hath spoken means? It means he spoke and to me that gets me because it's not saying that he's still speaking it says he spoke (laughs) I love it and what did he speak? well he spoke through his son how do I say it? God has spoken through his son there's nothing new that needs to be said there's no new revelation that's out there people it might be new to you but it was already spoken in the son. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Well, how do we get understanding now? Well, well He's given us the Holy Spirit. And remember what he said the Holy Spirit was going to do? Bring us into the remembrance of what he's already said. And so what the Holy Spirit is doing, see, the Holy Spirit has to work with us because sometimes we don't go to church and we don't hear the word. And so even though uh, the majority of the church may be 10 years ahead of us in Revelation, you could have the same revelation if you've just been under it because the Holy Spirit was ready to work with you. (laughs) So what we're doing is we're playing catch up to what God has already spoken. And the Holy Spirit brings us that revelation is revelation to us, but it's not new. God already spoke it through His Son. Now now this is important. And now, the revelation of what the Son has been spoken, or what the Son has spoken, is given to us by the Holy Spirit. There's no new revelation outside of Christ. It might be new to you, but it's only a revelation of what was revealed by and through Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is our helper to bring us enlightenment of what was revealed through Christ. Amen. This is, you, I know we get fresh revelation. It's just so exciting to us. But don't you know that was in the scriptures before you? <laughs> don't you know it's been sitting there in the scriptures? Wow. I never saw that before yet, but it was still there. Because he had spoken unto us in these last days by his son. Wow, Jesus closed the book. He finished it. So by the Holy Spirit, we hear what was spoken by Christ. By the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. We hear what was spoken by Christ. And it becomes truth to us as we practice it. The book of Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Look at this in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. So all you've learned was already there in Jesus. All you're learning is already there in Jesus. All that is truth that you are yet to gain, once you gain it, it was already there in Jesus. He is the living word. So, since you're there in Ephesians, look at this in verse 8. Wherefore, he said, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So Jesus said, I've spoken. And God has spoken to us in these last days by Christ. But we're not at that revelation point yet. So he left gifts so that we could hear what was spoken, have revelation of it. Jump down to verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. That's where our revelation is going to come from. That's how we're going to hear what has been spoken. That's how we're going to recognize the commandments. Those are the things that we are to keep. And as we keep these, we will assure ourselves of his presence the preaching of the word is critical people you need to pray for your teachers you need to pray for your teachers that they speak by the unction of the Holy Spirit and not by anything else Uh, your teachers need to be on your regular prayer list (laughs) because we depend on them that they will speak by the unction of the Holy Spirit and bring us revelation of what Christ has said so we can keep his commandments. We don't need them giving us their opinions. Or that which benefits them. <laughs> that was Eli's issue. So we need to pray for our teachers. And look at this in Colossians chapter 2. I wanted to get through this. Colossians chapter 2. And what you have been taught needs to be applied. Amen. What you have been taught by your teachers, by your pastor, needs to be applied. chapter. I'm telling you, sometimes the change in our life is so simple. All we have to do is, can I I give this to you? If you would just come to church, maybe you would hear something. And that simple thing that you would do because you heard it could change your life. We, in the midst of our problems, stay away from the church. And the church is where we get the revelation by the Holy Spirit. Those commandments that we need to keep that will make the difference in our lives. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Oh, I like this. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. Remember, that was our first prerequisite, right? You have to have surrendered in your heart to the Lordship of Christ. So as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. I'll just give it to you like this. That word walk is a present imperative. So it is said as though this is not a suggestion. This is imperative. And the thing about the walk is, the present imperative means it is a command to keep doing something. So, one week is not doing it. (laughs) Two weeks is not doing it. Uh, wait, Wait a minute. This is our response. Our response is that we have repentant, faithful, obedient life that we remain in. That's us walking. So as you have therefore received Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. As a father would speak sternly to his children, so God is speaking to us. Walk in Him. It's not a suggestion. Walk in Him. You know what the thing about walking is? Walking is not just hearing. Walking is just not attending. Walking is just not writing words down in your notebook. Walking is just not rehearsing it, hearing it over and over again on uh, on whatever recording. Walking is putting it into practice. How do we assure ourselves of His presence? Through obedience. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Rooted and built up. Oh, I love that phraseology. Here's how you're supposed to walk. Rooted and built up. (laughs) I love it. Rooted. How do you get rooted? You root yourself. (laughs) No man's making you. You have to root yourself. You know, some things we can be dogmatic about. We refuse to change and move away from. He says, "Be that way when it comes to Christ. Yeah. Root yourself. That's how you walk. Be rooted. Yeah. Christ is the answer. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is all I need. Yeah. That's being rooted. And when you're rooted, you'll be built up. Yeah. I love it. I, I, you know he used that, 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 the, the phraseology for plants. So they first have to be rooted before they can be built up. And maybe you haven't been built up yet because you haven't been rooted. You need to root yourself. Because there will be no building up until after you've rooted yourself. So, but this is how you walk. You be rooted. And then built up in Him. Established, confirmed, validated in the faith as ye have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Uh, Did did you catch that phrase in the middle? As you have been taught. In other words, you've had teaching. And the teaching has commanded you to walk. The teaching has instructed you to be rooted. The teaching has instructed you to be built up. Walk in what you've been taught. It's as simple as that. Walk in what you've been taught. This is not... Sometimes we get here and I don't know what we're looking for. We're looking for something different that hasn't been revealed before. He's already spoken it in Christ. He's already finished the book. It's in Christ. All we come to do is find out what's in the book. All we do is come to find out what he's spoken in Christ. And what he's spoken in Christ, he will give us by the unction of the Holy Spirit through our teachers. And that message, man, that was boring. Yeah, 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 yeah rooted and built up in Him establishing established in the faith as you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving thank God for the boring word yeah. Yeah. oh God it, you know, I, was, oh, I wanted my flesh to be tickled but I thank God that you don't tickle my flesh you just give me the truth <laughs> I'm telling you that's why I love this ministry I really do because when I walked in this ministry what I heard was I heard like John speak it's like hey hereby we know that we know Him because we keep His commandments. Now, if you don't keep His commandments, you're a liar. If you say, you know, see, that's what I like. I thank God for that. While other people are like, man, that church, that's nothing that, I love it. But the thing is, you come here, you hear the word, and you're not given great big things to do. You're given simple things to do. Walk. In what you have been taught. Hmm. Philippians chapter four. Just the book over, or before. Philippians chapter four, verse nine. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen. Listen to me. You're not blessed. Because you've been taught. You're not blessed because you received it. You're not blessed because you heard it. You're not blessed because you saw it in real life. You're blessed after you do it. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Two letters, D-O, do. And then the God of peace shall be with you you can do all the learning you can do all the receiving you can do all the hearing you can can do all the sitting up under somebody's feet but without the doing the God of peace is not with you but what you've learned walk in apply, implements. That's how we assure ourselves of God's presence. Now listen to this, and I don't have time for this, but I definitely wanted to say this. When you walk in the truth, you make provision in your life for God. When you walk in the truth, you make provision in your life for God. And I'm going to give you a simple definition of provision. Provision. It means you give God space or you make room for God to work in your life. So when you walk in the truth, you make provision in your life for God. That means you give God room to move, room to work in your life. So when you do not obey, God has no handle. God has no room. God has no space. And I want to say, when you do not obey, you shut God out. You deny yourself the benefits of his presence by giving God no room to work in your life. Wow. Malachi chapter 3. This is a good example. Malachi chapter 3. This is a great example. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Even from the days of your fathers, you are gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me. See, they they didn't keep him. So he's not with them. So he says, return unto me and I will return unto you. Do you see how that works? He says, you're separated, but you can come back. And if you come to me, I'll be with you if you be with me. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But she said, Wherein shall we return? He says, Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And can I give you a little different way to think about that? How do we rob God? When we deny him the opportunity to move in our lives says you wouldn't obey me and you did not allow me to move in your life when I wanted to. You're cursed with a curse for you have robbed me even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes unto the store so that there may be meat in mine house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pull you out of blessing so that there shall not be room enough to receive. If you just obey then you give me room to do good in your life. Hallelujah. Listen, if life, status, and conditions change, you know we talked about that earlier? If life, and your status in life, if your conditions change, make provision in your life for God, no matter your state, your status, your condition, or your location. Make room for God. No, no, you, you don't understand me in that. You might be young now, but you won't always be young. One day you'll be old. Don't say, when I'm old, I'll make provision. Don't say when I'm old I make room. Make old, make yourself room or make room for God right now in your young state. You might be single looking one day to be married and you can't wait to be married to give provision or room for God in your single state. In your single condition. Make room for God. Look, you might be healthy now but you won't always be healthy. So when you're healthy, use your health to give room for God. God. Because when the sick days come, you definitely won't have room for him then. Uh, l- listen to me. No matter what the condition... See, you might be broke now. And I pray it won't always be that way, but you know what? You can make provision for God when you're broke self. No, no, you're not understanding me, deep. See, some of you are broke now working on an education. So you can have money in times to come. But you're waiting until you have money to make provision for God in your life right now. Whatever state you're in, make provision. Give room for God. See, you don't know what you're denying yourself. You don't know how you're robbing God who wants to do you good and not evil. Who wants to bring you to an expected end. But you and your refusal to say, oh, man, that old boring word, I can get that word out. I don't need to do that. I don't need... They don't understand my situation. Simple obedience temple obedience. And that will assure you of His presence. And when you obey, when He is with you, you don't understand this, do you? Wow. To me, this gets me. Abraham, when he went down to Egypt, God was with him. And he walked out with more than he walked in with because he gave room for God. some things that you're wanting to change in your life you can't have it change until you obey him until you do that which you have not yet done and I want to emphasize this and I know I'm talking to the Wednesday night crowd but maybe somebody slipped in here who doesn't normally come on a regular basis but one way you make provision for God is get his word get his word you don't have anything to obey if you don't even get his word You don't know what direction to take. And you will struggle. You will struggle without His presence. And and let me tell you this. I don't... I'm still a Christian. Listen. You are on a different system than this world. It will not work for you as long as you resist your God. And remember, this is what this all came from. I'm with you. As long as you're with me. God doesn't owe you anything. (sighs) Write this down. When you make provision for God in your life, this means you have to organize some things. You have to organize some things. If I'm going to make room for God, if I'm going to make provision for God, I need to organize my time. I need to organize my finances. I need to organize my relationships. Oh, this is hard. I need to organize my life for the benefit of His church. Oh, my goodness. And I'm out of time. But we have to organize our time. We have to organize our finances. We have to organize our relationships. Our very entire lives for the benefit of His church. That's when we make provision for God. Let me tell you what we do. We make provision for a lot of other things, but... So many times, God is last on our list to think of. We need to teach our children this. No, a lot of us learn this kind of late in life. But oh, if we had direction when we were younger. That hey, we see our children have certain aptitudes in certain areas. We should point our children and say, you know what, you need to see God as to where he's leading you in that direction somewhere in there there's glory to God in it. Somewhere in there there's praise to God in it. We need to teach our children from a young age you don't forget your church when it comes to giving. No, no, no. Because when you go to see the CPA the CPA is going to tell you you don't need to give to the church like that you need to bring that down but no, no, no. So you need to be rooted. You need to be dogmatic about that. Like no, no, no. You're not on the system that I'm on. See, because his presence is better than a little extra dollars in the bank. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.